This is Horsepower Happening. Tear up the body panel, fine. You know, even Ben knows, you could have destroyed the whole race car, if not worse. I don't have any problem racing each other and trading paint and moving people. I mean, that's it's a short track bull ring. This right. is not Daytona. From the MCRP studios in the Motor City. But I do know also one thing. By the time I'm his age, I'll have more than 100 wins, and I promise you that. With Zach Heiser. Fager leads him down on the bottom side of the racetrack. Moyer trying to make something happen on the top shelf. Big run. He'll cross over now down the back straight lane into turn number three. Moyer puts the binders on Fager nearly on the bike. And Rich Frank. Any progress, Zach, that they made on the last stop, they ruined on this one. So now they're really trying to get this thing off the ground. From the Motor City Racing Promotion Studio. Hey, guys, this is Ford Hodge. This is three-time dirt car UMP national champion, Rusty Schlink. This is Bobby Santos. This is Travis Stemler. This is Travis Brady. This is Andrew Shy. David Melky. Josh Fry. Ryan And this is Horsepower Happenings. Good evening, race fans, and welcome in to another edition of Horsepower Happenings. It's a beautiful Monday evening, one of the last ones in June, as we stare the 4th of July right in the face. Uh, we do have one more weekend of racing coming up and a whole lot to talk about on tonight's show. Before we dive into everything that we've got going on, let's take a look at some of the details that are going on in a Motor City Minute. Donamar Coulier found his way back to Tri-City Motor Speedway victory lane Friday night coming from the 12th starting spot through lap traffic. Marcoulier found a way around an impressive Travis Stam uh, Stemmler for the win. Derek Hilliker finished second while Stemmler held on for third. Then on Saturday night, St. John's, Michigan's Chad Finley went back to Merritt Speedway victory lane for the second time this season. Using his outside front row starting spot to secure the win, he bested 2019 track champion David Melke and Stemmler who rounded out the podium. Butler Motor Speedway reopened Saturday with 410 wing sprint cars in action. Coldwater native Ryan Rule found victory lane ahead of another Coldwater native, Tyler Rankin. And then picking up $1,000 during the modified portion of the Smitty Memorial from Galesburg Speedway, Matt Maurer drove his 16X machine to the win. More from that event coming up in just a moment. That's what's happening in a Motor City Minute. We've got a lot to cover tonight, including an update from Jason Seltzer with the Indiana Midget Week. So, Rich, without further ado, man, let's dive into a busy weekend of stuff going on. Yeah, I had some fun, Zach. I went back down to down to Oakshade for the second time. Uh, made it there for the first time last year. Uh, saw a great race. We'll get into that a little bit later on. But uh, first of all, let's get to Anderson Speedway. Cody Coughlin broke an over three-year winless streak Saturday night by winning the Arca Series Super Series event at Anderson Speedway. The former series champion uh, got by Scotty Tomasic on lap 77, holding on the rest of the way after fending off multiple challenges from multiple drivers. Coughlin just missed the invert after qualifying eighth, but his car showed speed during long runs and it all paid off in the end with his first win since the 2016 World of Stock Car Festival at Winchester Speedway, and his third win at Anderson between the Super Series and the JEG CRA All-Stars Tour. Uh, after uh, the runner-up position was traded multiple times in the final laps, it was Mason Keller emerging with a second-place finish in his ARCA CRA Super Series debut. Dalton Armstrong, reigning ARCA Midwest Tour champion Casey Johnson, and Brighton, Michigan's Kyle Crump would complete the top five. And Zach, next up on the schedule for the ARCA CRA Super Series, a 200-lap affair at Jennerstown on the 4th of July. Well, Sprint Car fans can rejoice because the 2020 edition of the Committed Gasket Ohio Sprint Speed Week featuring the Ollie's Bargain Outlet All-Star Circuit of Champions is now set in stone. That schedule says it will kick off July 3rd at Attica Raceway Park. The 10-day event includes nine days at seven tracks through the Buckeye State. The final points fund includes a $4,000 payday to the champion along with $7,000 of additional points money. Following the opening weekend at Attica, uh, Attica, Speed Week will continue to Fremont Speedway for a double header on July 4th and 5th, then a takeover of Orville's Wayne County Speedway on July 6th. Tuesday represents a rain date that is built into the program on July 7th, before the final five-event stretch starting Wednesday, July 8th at the Brush Creek Motorsports Complex. 
uh, Muskegon County Speedway on Thursday. Then an over $15,000 payday awaits at the Dean Niddle Memorial at Portsmouth Raceway Park on Friday. Then a doubleheader for the Lou Blaney Memorial and Justin Snyder's Salute to the Troops from Sharon Speedway on Saturday and Sunday each night from there paying $6,000. So Sprint Car fans rejoicing down in Ohio. Yeah, Zach, and Zach, did you know Andy Bozell earned the moniker 12 time from his prowess at Kalamazoo Speedway, where he won 12 Outlaw Super Late Model Track Championships over the years. He got his start racing 25 miles east of there at the quarter mile Galesburg Speedway, where he is also a multi-time track champion. He returned to where it all started last night for the Smitty Memorial, where he torched the field to score the win in the caution-free 100-lap event. The dominating performance saw him come within just a couple car lengths of lapping the entire field, which included Sun Phil, both JR and Tyler Roerig and Jeff Gannis. With Sun Phil's second-place finish, it marked the third time in the last two seasons the Bozells finished 1-2 in an Outlaw Super Late Model event. After doing so at the Berlin Raceway, and Jucasa Motor Speedway last summer. Phil was the winner in both cases. Uh, he and his father went 1-2 in 2019. Indiana racer Steve Stacy would finish third in his first Galesburg Speedway appearance, followed by former Kalamazoo Speedway track champions Mark Shook and Adam Terry. And Zach, uh, everybody stay tuned because uh, we'll get more information on this and talk to Andy Bozell later in the show. Exciting news uh, announced last week. The Mars Racing Series presented by Rippet Energy fires up their 2020 season this week for a three-night premiere Thursday through Saturday. The season kicks off from Davenport Speedway for the first $5,000 show of the season. Then on Friday, Pepsi Lee County Speedway plays host to the tour before the weekend wraps up at uh, Peoria Speedway on June 27th. Each show on the $15,000 to win weekend presents a $500 to start opportunity each night. The opening weekend also marks a new chapter for the Mars Tour, now under the direction of Tony Izzo Jr. Rich, so uh, excited for uh, Tony, our friend of the program, to get uh, that season kicked off coming up on Thursday. Yeah, I know he's been waiting about three months to get that uh, that Mars series going. Uh, I feel that that's very, very cool for him. And my, fr my Friday night, my Saturday night, Zach, was a little bit busy. Uh, I went down to Oakshade, who uh, started the first three weeks of their 2020 season without race fans, finally was able to put some in the grandstands and uh, really did an outstanding job, I have to say, of the social distancing, uh, staying with one, within what they had. Uh, it, they really did a fantastic job down at Oakshade. Uh, and, Zach, you'll like this. All those fans got to put their backsides <laughs> trackside. I like it. That? I like it. And uh, so I made my way down there Saturday night for the 31st annual Barney Oldfield Memorial for the UMP Late Models. 40 laps, $4,500 to win was on the line. A very solid field was on hand along with someone you wouldn't normally see, Zach, in the Great Lakes region. Tyler Carpenter, who's been in the national spotlight since his huge win at the Gateway Nationals back in December, made the trip all the way from Parkersburg, West Virginia. Carpenter, Steve Kester, Casey Noonan, and Rusty Schlenk would start the evening out picking up heat race wins. When the feature rolled off later in the evening, it was Noonan and Schlenk who would lead the field to green. Carpenter would roll off from his third position. The first 20, 25 laps, it was all the Rusty Schlenk show. Uh, Schlenk built up a solid lead over Carpenter. But as we often say, Zach, and then... Uh, Carpenter finally figured out the surface at the Oakshade Raceway and ran down Schlake. An awesome battle ensued for several laps, trading trading the lead multiple times uh, before Carpenter would pull away in the final 10 circuits to pick up the win. Uh, not even a caution flag on the final lap could keep Carpenter out of victory lane. Following the victory lane excitement you would expect, you would expect out of the young man, uh, I was able to catch up with a reasonably calm Tyler Carpenter after the festivities. In the pit area following uh, the 31st annual Barney Oldfield Memorial here at the Oakshade Raceway, and uh, we're with your winner, Tyler Carpenter. Uh, first of all, congratulations, man. Nice run. Thanks, man. This place here is definitely a little different and uh, definitely suits me. They, I come here because I come here with a wore-out motor, and I chose this place over Atomic. 
I love Atomic and hate to miss that track, but you know, when your motor's running on its last leg, better go where she can walk, still walk. Got a little bit of a slow start. Rusty got out from you a little bit. You made a big mistake down in turn three and four and lost about half a straightaway. Uh, then you just took one lap at a time, one lap at a time, and ran him back down. Yeah, just, uh, I knew being 40 laps, and I, I went with a soft tire, and I know Rusty did too. We kind of come to an agreement on that. And uh, I told him whatever he's doing, I'm doing whatever I'm doing, he's doing. So it's just going to be a let the best man win. <laughs> but uh, I know when I slipped up, I thought I was done for, man, because it, it took me oh, quite some time to run him down. But getting around him was going to be another thing. And I figured, I'm just going to hustle his corner. Well, it let me know I wasn't going to. And I talked to him a little I talked to him a little bit earlier, and you guys had a heck of a battle once you got to him. He got back by you again, and you're like, oh, you must have been thinking, uh, he's not quite done yet. <laughs> well, I just... I thought I was going to be, once I took the lead, I thought, Rust ain't no dummy, you know? I thought, man, he's just going to run a little harder, and I, I'll be able to chill out. About the time I thought I was going to set a win, he got me back. So, being with a soft tire, man, I'm just trying to run as hard as I can to just inch ahead of him. You know, all you need is an inch to win this daggone thing, and uh, I don't know, man. It just got lucky, I guess. <laughs> then you come down the back straightaway into turn three and four, cars sitting there, yellow's out. You had to have been saying, no, no, no. <laughs> yeah, that definitely rubbed me the wrong way. You know, it, it's always something like that. Big race here. I'm lo supposed to be looking at the checkered. I'm looking at a car's nose in a yellow. So I knew, all jokes aside, I really felt like I'm about to get got. So, uh, man, I, and I don't know if it was me, somebody else, or what, but just before that start, somebody spilled a bunch of stuff in her one. Uh, that was right where I wanted to enter, so I had to enter a little lower. And I, hell, I don't know if Ray Seaver's working or wasn't. Or they didn't say nothing or what, but I thought we was just taking green checkered. We come around, I didn't see no checkers, like, man, not another lap, so uh, we took a checkered, and I won, so I just tickled to death, man. Well, you guys put a heck of a show on for these fans tonight. I was up there sitting with them. Uh, who all you got to thank? Oh, there's a ton of them. I got to thank my crew, my family, you know, Kryptonite Race Cars, all the sponsors on the car. I forgot to mention one of them, Holdren Construction. He's a new sponsor, man. That, that's going to bite me in the butt until I get the hang of Victory Lane with these new names, but uh, there's just a lot of people in the car. It helps, you know. It may not be big money, but any money's good money, so... Um, like say extreme uh, oils and Eisner race engines, Octane race products, Hoosier Tire by Todd Fry, KRC, um, QA1, The Jones Show, Quality Demolition, that's Chuck Longbreak, that's the guy that teamed up with me and been hauling here and there and lending me motors, whatever, whatever it may be that I need. So uh, go Lithium. You know, there's just a lot of people and heat of the moment, I'm going to forget you, but you know you ain't forgotten and everything's appreciated. So uh, if you hear it and I didn't mention you, just take it for granted that you're uh, I'm appreciated. Well, congratulations. Great run tonight. Thanks, man. Thanks for having us. And uh, Schlenk, who brought his number 91 machine home in second, wasn't pleased with his race car most of the evening. And uh, I caught up with him to get his thoughts. Well, the Barney Oldfield Memorial is in the books. And uh, here with your second place finisher, Rusty Schlenk. And man, oh man, uh, you got away from him early. He made a mistake, but... Uh, Man, like, like what usually happens, lap traffic uh, probably bit you. Yeah, it wasn't necessarily lap traffic. I was just too tight. I, I made a bonehead move. We had a really good car in the heat race. I should have probably left it alone, and I made a bar adjustment in the right rear and got us too tight. Uh, we were good when there was a little moisture in the track, but once it slicked off, I, uh, I was too tight. I ended up having to, had to drive the car too hard to get it to steer and burn up the right rear tire. He, uh, it was, it was inevitable. He was going to go around me. I just didn't have enough tire left at the end of the race. I just weighed too tight. But it's awesome running with him, man. He's uh, he's a hell of a driver. Yeah, you guys did have a great battle. When he got around you, you said, well, I'm not quite done yet. <laughs> and, and, and you guys had a nice five-lap battle going back and forth un until he kind of got away a little bit. Yeah, I knew he had a better car there at the end, but I'm not giving up. I'm going to make sure. I'm gonna, I'll drive I'll drive every inch of that race car and every inch of that racetrack to uh, try and put myself in the spot. If he messed up, we could have capitalized. So I tried to, tried to keep pace there at the end and just... Hope he messed up, but he's a hell of a wheel man. He's not going to mess up. So next time I'll uh, try not to mess the race car up. Maybe we'll have a shot at it. <laughs> what are you thinking coming out of turn four? You see a car sitting there in a the yellow flag waving with one to go. Are you like, maybe it ain't over? <laughs> no, I knew it was over, man. <laughs> I, on on a norm, a normal circumstances, if my car was if my car was where it needed to be, yeah, I'd have been happier in hell because I got a lot of laps around here, and I probably could have I probably could have beat him on a, a one lap sprint. I think we might have been able to get him, but. Um, I was just, I, I knew I was a sitting duck. I just was, uh, I was just holding on for seconds. So. Yeah. You know, like you said, you run here all the time. You guys put on a hell of a show tonight. Uh, the fans loved it. I was sitting with the fans tonight, and they just had a ball with it. Uh, it was just amazing. Who all helps you out on this car? Uh, I got to thank all my crew. There's a bunch of people here bust their bus tonight, get this thing right. Um, Domination Race Cars, Buckeye Concrete Coatings, Velocity Fire Suits, BP Fuel, um, 
man, I, there's so many people on this race car. Uh, Dart heads, uh, Bilstein shocks, Landrum springs, CP Carrillo, dominated, uh, domination race uh, products, or dominator race products, sorry, too many dominations. Um, just everybody that helps on this thing. All right, man, congratulations. Nice second place run. Uh, thank you. And Zach, Matt Miller uh, came out and completed the podium finish, so a nice run for a start for Matt Miller. Uh, and Zach, I had a great job, uh, great fun time down there at Oakshade. Uh, finally had a chance to meet our friends over at uh, Hammerdown Racing Port, Scott Hammer, Ron Miller. They said to say hi. Uh, they gave me, I, I want to thank them. They, they were very uh, hot, hospitable. Uh, they took me under their wing, talked to me and everything. So uh, it was really nice running into those guys as well. Yeah, very good. Uh, glad you got a chance to go down there and meet those guys. I, I, I of course, uh, have, have met them before, and, and they are. They're great guys. Glad that you got a chance to, to check that out. And, uh, hey, thanks for going down there and doing some work for us on a Saturday. Nice job. Yeah, I, I, you know, Friday was my birthday, so that wasn't happening. So yeah. I had some time on Saturday, and it was the closest track, and it was the biggest late model race in the area this weekend. So Absolutely. Uh, why not go down and, and, and check it out uh you know, next to Outlaw Late Models on Pavement, I love my UMP Dirt Late Models. There now, you go. So, so I, that, it wasn't really a guess of where I was going. Well, the Hoosier State was home to some really cool racing uh, over the past, uh, well, week or so. Our buddy Jason Seltzer, you might know him from the Kalamazoo Speedway, but uh, I know him as uh, a midget week lover right uh, he loves looking at rear ends as they say uh in the pits and and he chases the racing with the indiana indiana midget week and uh, he was kind enough to drop in earlier today and give us a recap on what he saw from the races uh over the last week or so jason the 16th annual indiana midget week finished up on sunday night as the nos energy drink usac midgets race six times at five tracks over six nights the atmosphere heated up, and so did the on-track action. Tuesday night, the Midgets invaded the Paragon Speedway, and Kyle Larson entered the six-race series with five consecutive wins, three with the Ali Bargain Outlet Circuit of Champions, and two with the Knox Energy Drink World of Outlaw Sprint Cars. He would set fast time at Paragon and start sixth in the 30-lap main event. He would carve through traffic and pick up night number one over Tanner Thorson and Ricky Stenhouse Jr. A.J. Hopkins saw the checkers with his 410 sprint car as well. The series switched over to the Gas City I-69 Speedway on Wednesday night. USAC midget rookie their contender Buddy Kofoit kept Larson honest and tried his best to take down Young Money, but Larson would overcome the odds starting from 14th and grabbing checkers over Kofoit and Tyler Courtney. Logan CV set fast time, and Justin Grant was your sprint car winner. Thursday night saw the first of two stops at the Lincoln Park Speedway in Putnamville, Indiana. Chris Windham would set fast time. Larson would qualify mid-pack and have to roll off from 15th. He would find victory lane again for the third straight night in a row of Indiana Midget Week. Thorson would finish second, and Cannon McIntosh third. AJ Hopkins would grab his second sprint car win of the week. Friday had the series back at Lincoln Park Speedway for the second straight night following a cancellation of the Bloomington Speedway venue due to the COVID-19. Larson would again set fast time going for win number nine consecutively and number four on the week. Chris Windham though stepped up and dominated the 30 lap main event snapping Larson streak. Larson came home second, Kofoy third, and Brady Bacon won the 25-lap sprint car main event. Saturday night, Lawrenceburg Speedway played host to round number five. The hottest day of the week found some intense action all night long. Thomas Meserol would set quick time and lead the majority of the feature with a late race caution changing everything. Larson was able to slide Timez late and grab the win for his fourth win of the week. Colfoyt and Meserol rounded out the podium. Chris Windham bagged the 25-lap 410 sprint car feature. Sunday found everyone at the Kokomo Speedway for the finale. Kyle Larson would again set fast time, a thrilling end of the feature, and to Indiana Midget Week with Tanner Thorson, who lost two motors in two consecutive nights previously, holding off Indiana Midget Week champion Kyle Larson 
by 65 thousandths of a second at the line to pick up the win. Chris Windham was third. Windham would also go on and score his second consecutive sprint car main event race of the week. Your final Indiana Midweek points, Bowen Larson picking up his first championship with a 73-point lead over Wyndham, Colfoyt, Thorson, and Courtney, your top five. Running out your top 10, Tanner Carrick, Justin Grant, McIntosh, Meserol, and Shane Goblin. It was truly a great race, and if you guys ever get a chance to pick up and take in some of these uh, midgets, you're really, really gonna enjoy yourself. So keep it on the USAC schedule, usacracing.com, both sprint cars, the midgets, and silver crown cars just a truly truly fun fun night and or fun week and uh really really glad i was able to uh take part of that so thank you guys good luck with the rest of the show and uh boy it sounds like i missed a real real good one with andy bozell up at the galesburg speedway on sunday night as well so thanks again guys take care all right, Jason, thanks so much. Glad that you got a chance to go out there and check all that out. Uh, you know, for, for Rich and I, we got to work our daytime jobs, so we can't, <laughs> we can't get away to go and do all that. So nice to be able to rely on Jason for some things. So, uh, Rich, it's uh, time of the program. Real quick, uh, you know, I think that we almost have to address it. So let's go into our Here's the Deal segment tonight, and uh, we'll, we'll make it quick, but it's one of those things we got to touch on. You, you know, Zach, um, our country's changed a lot in the last couple weeks. Um, you, you can just see how bad everything's gotten. If you just turn on the news, uh, it's been all over, all over the news. And probably the worst thing that I've seen, um, in a long time was what happened yesterday with Bubba Wallace down at Talladega reports coming out that someone, uh, hung a noose in his garage stall, uh, at some point yesterday down at Talladega. And, um, now, now I'm really upset because, uh, that that uh, there is no place in this country for that mm. uh much less in our sport that we that we love um so here's the deal i hope that i hope they find out who did this and uh they prosecute him to the fullest extent of the law whatever they can do to this guy that is just flat out uncalled for should never happen well, and uh, having been to a couple of NASCAR races ourselves, Rich, we know that uh, as it gets closer to race time, the garage area gets a little vacant. Um, so, but with that said, somebody saw it. Somebody had to have seen it happen. Um, there had to have been a camera somewhere that picked it up. So, uh, but to, to, to close, um, I agree with you. It makes me sick. Uh, it makes me angry. And uh, I, I just feel, uh, you know, those emotions very strongly and, and feel for Bubba and, uh, and uh, all the African-Americans that are a part of our sport. You know, he's obviously in the limelight as a driver, but uh, crew members in NASCAR, other drivers at the local lev- level that are black, um, you know, it's, it's just uh, so, so terrible and so sad to see. And, uh, um, you know, just uh, hopefully everyone can be on the same page about this one it's pretty straightforward so uh sad to see that come out of the nascar realm but uh, glad to see that uh, everyone came around bubba today at pre-race before the talladega race and uh, showed him love and showed him support and and that's what our sport is truly all about so uh here's the deal love and support have a nice heart be kind to one another is uh, kind of what we're driving at here so we got to take a break we've got two stacked interviews coming up rich uh we're going to talk to brian rollman uh the guy that you probably have seen wheel a late model and a modified to victory lane countless times we're going to talk about him going to victory lane in a sprint car and then andy bozell he needs no introduction but we'll give him one anyhow coming up it's all ahead here on horsepower happenings the call sounds from race control. Hello, yellow, yellow, bottom of one. Yellow, 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 bottom of one. Top motorsport sanctions rely on the elite team of industry professionals for Motor City Racing Promotions to respond. Highly trained men and women in uniform systematically arrive on scene with their advanced fleet of safety vehicles equipped for the toughest jobs. Hours of annual training and practice are executed with precision as the task is rapidly performed in unison. Each official on the MCRP safety team is SFI certified in short track incident response and demonstrates a comprehensive background in motorsports, firefighting, and emergency medical services. It is their own appreciation of this sport and its growing need for professional motorsports rescue that has been the catalyst behind MCRP safety team's impeccable portfolio. For more information on Motor City Racing Promotion Safety Team, log on to MotorCityRacing.com. 
www.mcrp.co and look for the MCRP badge at a track near you. Suspension Max is a service and solution-based manufacturer of automotive suspension and specialty parts. Based out of Bay City, Michigan, the local company began servicing clients in 2002. Suspension Max serves the automotive aftermarket as well as engineers and produces specialty suspension components for original equipment manufacturers and government contracts. Learn more about what they can do for you at SuspensionMax.com or call 1-888-629-9226. Suspension Max, the leveling kit experts. If you're searching for a weekly podcast that features local results, news, and insight, then your search stops with Horsepower Happenings. Every Monday night, Zach Heiser and Rich France break down the week in motorsports, from NASCAR to the world of outlaws. Then they go over what's happening in the Great Lakes region. Plus, they sit down with industry professionals, including drivers, car owners, track promoters, and more. Find a complete broadcast schedule and more information at HorsepowerHappenings.com. And follow Horsepower Happenings on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. This is Tom Deary, and you're listening to Horsepower Happenings. Welcome back to Horsepower Happenings. Zach Heiser, Rich France with you on another beautiful Monday evening. Rich, time for our first interview on the night. Let us know who we're chatting with. And Zach, this gentleman has uh, really won about everything from Michigan down to Florida. Uh, he is the owner of Roman Race Cars, and I like you. I can't believe it's taken us uh, so long to get him on the program. Makes his home in Clark Lake, Michigan. Brian Roman, welcome to Horsepower Happenings. Thanks, guys. First of all, uh, you know, in these unusual days and times, how's everything going out there with Clark, in Clark Lake uh, with the family? Everybody staying healthy? Yeah, we. Uh, I think we actually caught the uh, bug last in uh, January, um, but uh, we got sick down in florida and veronica got sick down there too and i think we got it uh, got past that by the time we got home all right as i stated uh, you have won in about everything brian and you actually added to that this total the total this past weekend uh picking up your first non-wing sprint car win up at silver bullet first of all congratulations that one has to feel pretty good yeah we've been uh trying the sprint cars for about a year and a half now and uh started out running the 602 crate brush sprint cars out in Pennsylvania my, my brother got into those and kind of got me into that and um, we ran second to him a couple times and last year we ran second I think five times and ran second in the 410 once and, uh, just never got uh, the full win um, which we were kind of our goal was we'd won in the modified we'd won in the late model and I wanted to have a win in the sprint car uh, I kind of say we were a triple threat now but, uh, <laughs> But it, it's a big learning curve. You know, I've been racing 35 years, and this this was like being a true rookie again. Mm. And, uh, you know, learning fuel injection, learning how to set up a sprint car, how to drive a sprint car, the differences between them, and it's been a blast. Well, and, and you mentioned that, because uh, for me, as a fan, before I ever got into working racing or being a race car driver, right, I remember watching you race late models. Brian Ruhlman was a r- late model driver. That's it. Brian Ruhlman raced late models. And then, okay, Brian Ruhlman races late models and modifieds. And then all of a sudden, what is he doing with a sprint car? And uh, what kind of, when did this idea start really taking shape that, you know what, we're going to have sprint cars in our stable and we're going to make this work? Well, my brother, he called me up, uh, Chad, there in the end of, uh, in the start of 18, and he says, hey, I said, I, he, he said, I brought a sprint car. I said, what the hell did you buy a sprint car? <laughs> well, because I could. And he and I, I mean, since we were eight years old, we've always dreamed of driving a sprint car. Mm. But there was never any tracks around this, and just logistically, it never worked out. Mm. And, you know, he and I are both, you know, up in age a little bit now, and we're, you know, little fi- more financially secure and um so this rush deal where they have the 602 crate motors by pace performance um y- you know hell you could build one for under ten thousand mm-hmm. dollars and uh so he he got in one and never he'd never driven a sprint car either and won the first like four nights out wow and uh yeah and he's like these things are a blast you got to get one so i went and bought one and it's the most fun you'll ever have in a race car and they're cheap, they're easy to work on. Um, and so we were in the 602 up till the end of, uh, it had been 18. And then I, I thought, well, hell, if the 602 is that much fun, a 410 ought to be a blast. <laughs> and we were going to Peasley, driving down the road, going through Indianapolis, and this 
ad popped up on my phone for God knows what reason for this turnkey sprint car that was for sale like two miles from where we were driving by. <laughs> and uh, so we called the guy and stopped on the way back and bought this sprint car. And she went down, Veronica went down on a Tuesday, picked it up, and we painted it and took it to Kokomo that Friday. And we're fifth fast in our group and come from 20th to 12th. And, wow. Um, what a blast. Um, and uh, so it's just been, been kind of adding on to it. Uh, they're so cheap. They're so easy to work on compared to late models and modifieds that it's just uh, it, it's a fun thing to do. Now, did you expect to have any sort of, uh, I mean, what were your thoughts going into this? Uh, you know, again, almost two years ago, uh, the first time that you pulled the belts tight, did you expect to be able to do well? Did you expect to be at the back of the pack? Or did you just kind of meet your expectations going down to Kokomo? Well, we wanted to have fun. I knew I wasn't going to race, you know, beat a Dave Darland or a Robert Ballou or, a, you know, Tyler Courtney. And, and I was okay with that. You know, I've, I've done this stuff for 35 years. And, and to me, doing late models and modifieds, it was starting to get stale, you know. And, you know, we don't make money racing. <laughs> so if you're not making money and you're not having fun, then why are you doing it? Mm -hmm. And so this was a whole new venture. I knew nothing about these things. Um, you know, in Eldora, the first time, I had to ask Matt Westfall, how do you start them? You know, <laughs> do, you, do you turn the fuel on first and then the ignition or how, you know. Right. And uh, so, and, and I didn't have anybody, you know, kind of lead us along. We kind of learned it on our own and, you know, which is why I think it took us a year and a half to really get good at it. Um, my brother, he's just kind of an open ass, so when, when he got in, he won... I think 17 out of 19 features the first year, and his worst finish was second. Yeah, just had to show you how it was done, huh? Yeah, and I mean, he he knew absolutely nothing about him either, you know, and we just kind of learned on the fly. And uh, so I thought, you know, once I get my head wrapped around it and figure out what I like and, and how, you know, what knobs to turn and when to turn them, mm -hmm. I figured we'll, we'll, we'll get better. Now, Brian, I read this is a now that non-wing sprint car you won in this weekend. That's a four ten non-wing sprint, right? Yes. Yep. See, now Zach, Zach and I have talked before, and and I thought the guys were crazy that ran those things with the wings on them. That's got to be just flat out crazy without any kind of downforce whatsoever. It's like everything you ever wanted in a race car in excess. Hmm. So it, it's not about you know who can hold it wide open or who can charge the corner. It's all about control and, you know, using what you need and not anymore. Because uh, these things, you know, like when a late model, you have to throttle the car so you don't spin the tires. Mm -hmm. With these, you have to throttle the car so it doesn't do wheelies. And, you know, you, so you, you have to have a different control in your butt of what do you feel and how do you react to it. Well, take us up to Owendale uh, on Saturday. Um, how did the night go? I know uh, th this was the first inaugural race for the Great Lakes Traditional Sprints, formerly the Lane Automotive Michigan Traditional Sprints. Um, and uh, you you've raced with some sanctions like that, including uh, the uh, the Ohio Series and, and you know some hit-or-miss starts with the uh, Traditional Sprints. How did the night go leading up to the feature up there at Owendale? Well, you know, we've been kind of wait, you know chomping in the bed all spring to get this thing going, and, and I'm just really glad that Barry Marlowe took over it. Um, you know, the Irwin family, they, they had it a long time, but I think they, you know, it was kind of spread pretty thin on, you know, the manpower and the capabilities they had to promote it. And Barry is just, he's excited all the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and he's a true fan, and he, and he has the ability to promote it and to, to bring it, you know, to the next level. Um, but he still enjoys it just like a, a race fan. Mm. And so I was really excited to, to run the series with Barry. And, uh, you know, we showed up, and, of course, you know, Stevie Irwin's there, Mike Galagia, Jay Steinbach. Uh, you know, there's like, okay, we got some, there's not a lot of cars, but there's a pretty good field of really good cars. Mm. And I thought, well, okay, we'll just see what we can do. And, and we've been really good when the tracks get slick where you have to really control the car and, and um, so we went out and qualified I, I had Galagia in front of me so I, I knew he was really good there so I well I'll just follow him and then I can gauge myself if I'm any good and I ran him down in qualifying so I went over and asked him afterwards I said Mike I said, were you pretty good out there and he said no nah, I was junk 
Oh, boy. You know, I really thought I had something. Well, we ended up third quick, and that started us third in the first heat. Well, first lap, first corner, somebody tried to win it on the first lap, and we ended up getting shoved down into the tires and spun out and bent the axle. And um, But it still steered, so we went to the tail, and they were redrawing the top three, and we ended up driving back up to third. And uh, so we got in the draw, we drew the pole, and, you know, they're... That, that's a pretty important deal. Right. Uh, the draw. And we knew it was going to rubber down, and it rubbered up, started rubbering up about three, four laps in, which, you know, it's a, it just, it's a really technical thing to drive in the rubber and do it well, because it's not about driving fast. It's about hitting your marks every lap, never making a mistake, never giving an opportunity for the guy behind you to find the rubber where you're not in it. And, uh, you know, I grew up racing out in Pennsylvania, and the tracks we ran, they rubbered up every week. So, you know, that was kind of my, my strong suit. And uh, we ran 25 laps and never made a mistake, so we won the race. Now, Brian, I, you know, I go to, we go to a lot of dirt tracks around here, and just about everyone we go to, uh, we say your, your name on the, on the rear spoiler or, uh, or on a quarter panel. You get a lot of race cars out there that you work on. How do you find enough time to run everything that you have? And is and is there is this what you're looking more to do this summer? Spend a little more time in a sprint car? Well, you know, we're the, going racing is my relaxation. You know, we build race cars and work in the shop pretty much seven days a week. And when I go racing, I go racing to relax. You know, like some people go out in their fishing boat or some people go camping. I go to the racetrack to just relax. You know, the phone doesn't ring there. I can just be in my zone. And, uh, you know, and that, that's really satisfying to, to me and, and Veronica that helps me. Let's talk about where you've come from and, and how you've been able to build Rulman race cars. You talk about 35 years in the sport, and uh, we've had this conversation, Rich, over the last couple of weeks with a lot of, you know, from sprint cars to pavement late models. Brian, from the from the dirt late model side of things, I think that the technology in the last five, ten years has changed a, a lot, let alone over a span of some 30 years. How have you kept up with everything, and how have you managed to continue to build competitive and winning race cars? Well, the advantage I have is, you know, I, I'm an engineer. We've got a degree from Penn State, and I spent 11 years running an automotive engineering company where we did vehicle dynamics, we did suspension design, engine design, transmission design, aerodynamics, uh, spent time in the wind tunnel with funny cars and pro stocks and NASCAR Stuff. So, you know, we've got kind of all elements of the car. Um, you know, we did the suspension design on the GT40 for Ford back in 05. We did the Stratus Funny Cars. We did the Dodge NASCAR Aero Program. Uh, we did the CAD design of that, and we, you know, participated in the wind tunnel of that. So, you know, having 11 years doing that, and, you know, I've been racing since, you know, I had I had a Sears go-kart when I was eight years old <laughs> and, uh, you know, never raced it competitively, but it was, you know, it, it was just a toy and you're always trying to make it go faster and um, never really had the money to do it. You know, I didn't have a rich dad or, you know, sponsors or anything. It's just, um, my dad would make sure we, that me and my brothers would have materials, welding gas, or, you know, uh, welding wire, and we would build stuff. And we'd ended up, you know, we'd build eight or ten cars for other people over the winter. And that's how Chad and I would be able to race. And once I went to college, I left the jig and all the stuff for Chad, because he's about seven years younger than me. And, you know, we just kind of dabbled in it. It was just a hobby. We didn't need to build them to make money. We were both, you know, working as engineers. And then in 06, the company I was working for in Toledo, uh, the automotive market tanked in 06, and I got let go, and I was making, you know, a good six-figure salary, didn't have a care in the world because we are you know, we were doing good business and and that, and all of a sudden the rug got pulled out, and I'm on un unemployment, and I have a, you know, uh, a trailer and a motorhome and a house and garage and, and no way to, to pay for it. 
so um, the phone started ringing in middle of 06, and I thought, well, I'll just do this until the phone quits ringing, and then I'll go back in the engineering field. And that's been you know, almost 15 years now, and the phone hasn't quit ringing. So do you, uh, I, I was going to ask you, I mean, obviously, uh, working in an office, uh, you know, showing up there every day, a whole lot different than what you get to do nowadays, and, and you just get to walk out in the shop. <laughs> well, it, it's, that taught me a lot of the things that, that, you know, there's some really good fabricators, some really good race car builders, really good business people. Well, the way that our, the shop that I ran worked is it was like a small business unit. So I hired and fired my own people. I went out and marketed for my own work. I had to make sure everything got invoiced, made sure we got paid, made sure we had you know continuation of work for the guys. Uh, and we had, I think, I had twenty-five to thirty guys working for me at uh, you know at any given time. So having that experience, I think, has allowed me to be successful in this because a lot of the pitfalls that you know really good racers or fabricators get into in the business side of it, I've I've had that experience to kind of get ahead of that. Well, as we look forward, obviously, as Rich said, you, you know how to build winning late models. You know how to build winning modifieds. And now you can say that you've got a winning sprint car in your shop. Are we going to see Roman race cars start to build and produce some, some non-wing sprint car chassis? Well, we've done, some, we've done repairs on them and updates and that. Um, the, the, the good and bad thing about sprint cars, the good thing about running them is they are very cheap. They're very inexpensive to build. I've got actually three of them. I have two 410s and a crate one, and I have less money in, in all three of those than what it takes to build one modified or one late model. Uh, but <laughs> it's because just, of that... That is just crazy when you lay it out like that. Yeah, and it's, uh, you, you know, and that, that's what makes it so inviting. And my gosh, you could put one together in about four hours. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we did one on a Sunday afternoon. We were kind of bored, and that COVID thing hit, and everything was locked down. So I thought, well, it's <laughs> I got a bunch of parts. Let's put a sprint car together. Rich, how many people do you know that, that wake up and go, you know what? I'm bored. Let's build a sprint car. <laughs> uh, apparently one now. <laughs> yeah, I know one now. <laughs> but, you know, and this this is my dream. You know, when mm. I was eight years old sitting in in classroom in school, you know, I was drawing race cars, and we'd go to the local dirt track. We're, I grew up in Pennsylvania, so we'd go to State Line Speedway and um, – and that's what I always wanted to do. I wanted to build race cars for a living. And it took me 40, 40 years to get here. But, you know, I started mowing lawns and doing chores and that when I was 10 years old. And, um, you know, now we've got a pretty good thing going. And try and minimize the number of bad decisions you make so you you, you can keep the money that you've earned instead <laughs> of you know, it going away. Yeah, well, it's it's been really cool, Brian, to see. Uh, I mean, I'm young. I, I only have seen really the the last part of your career where you've been really successful and you've been kind of that icon. Um, but I'm sure you know. I, I had a lot of local people tell me that they were excited to hear your show tonight, and uh, you know that they're really they've enjoyed watching your career and watching you go. You know, from a guy that showed up at Butler and and Hartford on a weekly basis or Crystal to someone now who can roll up anywhere in the country and be competitive. So uh, that, that's got to be really cool for you to, to for you to even look back on your career and go, you know what, I did a pretty cool thing. Yeah, and you know we, me and my brother, and we we work hard, and we, you know, you work hard and try and learn stuff and get better at what you do, and uh, you keep at it, and hopefully things will be successful in the end. Well, Brian, uh, it's been a pleasure to chat with you tonight. Thanks so much for joining us. Congrats on the win at Owendale in the sprint car. I know you were really happy about that, really excited to check that one off. And uh, who knows, maybe you'll start racking up some more and uh, you can tell your brother, look out, I'm coming for you. (laughs) Yeah, hopefully. All right, Brian, thanks so much for joining us. We appreciate it. Thanks, guys. All right, we've got to take a break. When we come back, another guy who's figured it out over the years, and uh, he's got the history book to prove it. Andy Bozell is on the other side. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Horsepower Happening. If you're searching for a weekly podcast that features local results, news, and insight, then your search stops with Horsepower Happenings. Every Monday night, Zach Heiser and Rich France break down the week in motorsports, from NASCAR to the world of outlaws. Then they go over what's happening in the Great Lakes region. Plus, they sit down with industry professionals, including drivers, car owners, promoters and more find a complete broadcast schedule and more information at horsepowerhappenings.com and follow horsepower happenings on facebook instagram and twitter 
when the call sounds from race control. Yellow, 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 bottom of one. Yellow, 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 bottom of one. Top motorsport sanctions rely on the elite team of industry professionals for Motor City Racing Promotions to respond. Highly trained men and women in uniform systematically arrive on scene with their advanced fleet of safety vehicles equipped for the toughest jobs. Hours of annual training and practice are executed with precision as the task is rapidly performed in unison. Each official on the MCRP safety team is SFI certified in short track incident response and demonstrates a comprehensive background in motorsports, firefighting, and emergency medical services. It is their own appreciation of this sport and its growing need for professional motorsports rescue that has been the catalyst behind MCRP safety team's impeccable portfolio. For more information on Motor City Racing Promotion Safety Team, log on to MotorCityRacing.co and look for the MCRP badge at a track near you. Suspension Max is a service and solution-based manufacturer of automotive suspension and specialty parts. Based out of Bay City, Michigan, the local company began servicing clients in 2002. Suspension Max serves the automotive aftermarket as well as engineers and produces specialty suspension components for original equipment manufacturers and government contracts. Learn more about what they can do for you at SuspensionMax.com or call 1-888-629-9226. Suspension Max, the leveling kit experts. Racers know now more than ever and, and and let me tell you, if you don't have one, you're already behind for the 2020 season. But but listen up. There's a chance. Money should be spent wisely, and you need ease of use at the racetrack as well. Insert Hubco Metal Fabrication, racer-owned and operated. Luke Hubble knows the value of good quality products at a fair price. Right now, 24-inch pit lifts with a hydraulic pump start at just $875. Upgrades like powder coating, LED lights, and a waterproof pump cart are available. To place an order, simply find Hubco on Facebook, log on to hubcolifts.com, or you can call 269-838-0029. This is Barry Marlowe, owner of Motor of Great Lakes Sprint, and you're listening to Horsepower Happening. Welcome back to Horsepower Happenings. Zach Heiser, Rich France with you. Glad to have you along here on this June evening. Rich, another guy that I know you're excited to get a chance to talk to tonight and that I quite frankly can't believe it's taken us this long to get him on the program. Exactly, Zach. And, you know, usually I've been able to talk to him on a front straightaway after a race uh, at either Flat Rock or Toledo. Uh, He's a 12-time Kalamazoo Speedway track champion. He was a 2007 inductee into the Michigan Motorsports Hall of Fame. And uh, last night, he bagged a big $5,000 payday in the Smitty Memorial 100 at Galesburg. He makes his home in Portage, Michigan. Andy Bozell, welcome to Horsepower Happenings. Hey, thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Now, we've had to wait a little while to get pavement racing kind of back on the map. It's just been dirt that's been running around here lately. Um, But, man, last night, what a statement you made uh, at Galesburg. Congratulations. That was fantastic. Yeah, it was it was a good night, and it's always it's always great when you go to the racetrack and the, everything lines up for you, and the race strategy goes your way, and you you end up getting able to park it in victory lane. Now, I, from what I saw, a very solid field of of cars in terms of talent that showed up at that event. Uh, I mean, most of the time I've been around. I'll, it's no secret anybody who listens to our program. My favorite class is the Outlaw Late Models on pavement. And, and really, the way it is has been the last few years, if Tyler Roerick shows up at a race, everybody else is trying to figure out how the heck to run second. Uh, you not only got rid of that, you lapped the entire field, uh, except for your boy. Um, was that race, was that 83 machine that good? Yeah, it, it really was that good. Um, we were able to test a couple weeks ago over there at Galesburg and, the car had great speed in it and we just left it alone i felt that it would race good uh had speed in it all day kind of goofed up qualifying i tried to bust off a lap there and qualifying and got a little free and <laughs> ended, ended up second quick but uh nevertheless we started at the back um did it the hard way against some really good race car drivers so uh, it, it it felt pretty good at the end of the night how do you get a car to be that good? And I asked that question a little reluctantly because everybody will say, well, Zach, he's been racing at that track since it was built, I think. Um, you got a lot of laps around Galesburg. 
yeah, I kind of cut my teeth out there. You know, my dad raced out there in, in, the, in the 50s to the 70s and uh, kind of grew up out there and spent some time in the sportsman cars. Um, was able to drive for Larry Knowlton out there for three or four years, which was a, you know, a, a huge boost in my career. So just just a lot of experience, and, and it really helps when you got a slippery racetrack and you, you kind of – know how to set up the passes and how to run the high side and and it, it does give you a little advantage now i gotta ask this question and and i i'm hoping andy that uh you know between you me and rich that i can get a truthful answer out of you but if if not that's okay um could you have lapped your son uh or did you just play it nice or, or did he have you did he have you covered you know it was just late in the race and you're you're leading the race and you can basically see all the competition that you need to see in front of you and there was really no sense to push it so (laughs) that means he let off the gas (laughs) that means there was something left in the tank ladies and gentlemen he could have done it (laughs) you you know it'd be it'd be a shame to throw away five thousand dollars and make a mistake and wreck your kids so well and, and that's just it too is is you know there are some unwritten rules i think in racing and uh i think one of them is don't lap second place um and you know it's okay to just ride behind him how cool was that though have you ever had a car so dominant that you were able to pass the whole field twice yeah you know a couple times throughout your career you know you you it, it, it's way more rare than it used to be in the past years to be honest with you um mm nowadays you've got so many good cars so many good race car drivers that when the green flag drops, there's usually a half a dozen of them to hit the mark and it, it, it's a war now you andy in in the past couple of years admittedly you i mean you would have to admit some of these tracks you've traveled to you probably uh haven't been your best at in the past did it did it add a little bit of satisfaction to know that man i can still do this yeah, it really does, and especially at a place that you you had success in the past, and you can go back and you can be strong and run against the field of cars that we had out there. Like you said earlier, you know Tyler has been dominant, and Jr. and they're they're awesome racers, they're awesome people, and and they're respectful competitors. So when you can go and be lucky enough to come out on top, it, it does make you feel good. Let's uh, get away from this event on Sunday, as uh, as we know that Father's Day show and that Smitty Memorial race. Five thousand dollars to you, the winner, and uh, how cool it was for you to get to to pick that up. Let's go back a little bit. Um, Speed Fifty One released an article after you won, where I'm pretty sure the headline doesn't ever mention your name, but it says twelve time, and I think everyone automatically knows who twelve time is. Um, talk to me about that legacy right there 12 time for anybody who maybe doesn't know let's say that we've got some people that are listening that want to learn more about you what is 12 under a rock for 10 years or or there's somebody or there's somebody like me right rich who who is very sheltered from the pavement scene until the last couple of years what is 12 time what where does that come from well 12 times a a, a name that i picked up or a nickname um from jason seltzer the the announcer at kalamazoo speedway and it was just due to to being able to win 12 championships at Kalamazoo and he kind of dubbed that nickname to me and it, and it, and it stuck and I think it's pretty cool. What is the, what is the span of those 12? It's not 12 consecutive in it, is it? No, it was a 12 in 15 years. Wow. (laughs) Might as well have been. (laughs) That is uh, that is an impressive run. Um, what what made you so successful over that 15 year span did you just find something that no one else had found yet um well you hope to think that when you when you're successful and you win a lot of races and you know we put a lot of awful awful lot of resources spent a lot of hours working on the car and and you know back in that day the more successful you was at the racetrack the better you could build your program and that was just kind of my situation so the, the, the harder I work, the better I could race. And you and Andy, really, you uh, it, it wasn't just given to you. I mean, you raced against some good competition over the years. This wasn't just showing up at a racetrack uh, like some people can do uh, and cherry pick. You got very dominant over some very good race cars, so much so they could have put your name on the sign out front and it wouldn't have made a whole lot of difference. <laughs> yeah, I was I was lucky enough to race against, you know, my heroes, basically. I 
I, I'm kind of a generation gapper where, you know, the, the generation that I was racing against, Danny Nyrie, Mike Van Spierentak, Tommy Martin, Bob Holly, uh, did some ASA touring stuff with Mike Eddy, Bob Seneca. And <laughs> so I was, I was really lucky to have some really pretty good teachers when I was young. You know, we've seen it in our sport. Um, you can look at Jimmy Johnson, Dale Earnhardt, Richard Petty. Uh, locally, for me, uh, it was Chris Garrett at Butler Motor Speedway, and, uh, you know, it might have been the Garrett family at Galesburg with some other stuff. When race car drivers find extreme success like you did over those 15 years, some pretty nasty things, to be honest, get said, and some some doubt gets put into your performance. How do you handle those remarks about people who maybe say that you cheated or that you've you've played the rule book or you've played some favoritism or something like that? How do you respond to those remarks? Well, I'll probably use a line that's been used a lot, haters or motivators. Mm. And, and, you know, um, I'm very proud of what I did. And, and you know, at Kalamazoo Speedway, when you get to that level of success, you do get scrutinized. And I've had... I've had them made me duct tape popper holes in the frame rails looking for traction control and, and you know, you, you name it, I've heard it all and and you just you just fight it off and you come back stronger. I wonder what it is and, and I don't know if you can <laughs> send some insight into this, but um, what are your thoughts? Why does why does that happen? Why do people not like it when other drivers are so dominant? Um, you know, because for you, right, and for your fans, it's the greatest thing since sliced bread. We love it. Andy Bozell's win the winner's circle. He's winning championships. This is awesome. Um, what do you think it is? that Why, do, why don't people like winners? <laughs> oh, I think it's just, I think it's a, a product of competition. Um, it's a product of rivalries. And, you know, you you see it everywhere. You know, I mean, you know, you've, you've even seen it where, you know, the football didn't have enough air in it. So, you know, <laughs> what, 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 you, you got to put up with that. And, yeah. and you you got to put it aside and, at the end of the day, they don't have to like you, but I always worked hard to try to try to gain respect if I could. Now, Andy, it's got to feel pretty good to you. Uh, now, you know the, the last three times um, you and Phil have your son Phil have run together. Uh, he got you the last two times you guys ran one two, but but how? Of course, you want to beat him on the racetrack, but but how proud of you? Uh, how good he's become uh, to kind of carry on the family business when you decide you want to hang up the helmet. Yeah, you know, Phil's come a long ways, and he's followed the same path as I have. He's he's worked very hard. He's he's studied racing. He's you know he's been very involved in the construction of his cars, uh, fabrication of the cars, and every detail that it has to do with racing. We we build our own stuff in our own shop. So um, to see him follow suit is is really pretty cool. And you know we got another generation coming behind him. We got two grand boys racing quarter midgets and. They both won their races Friday and Saturday of this week, so uh, we just just got to keep working. It was a Bo- it was a Bozell family three peat this weekend. Yes, it was. <laughs> now, Andy, there's a there's let's get a little bit off the actual racing right now. Really, right now we're in some unprecedented times. Um, we're all wanting. Um, we have some prominent racetracks out there that can't get open yet. Uh, Berlin. Kalamazoo, not quite yet. We don't. That may be sooner than later. Uh, obviously, Flat Rock and Toledo, I'm not really close. It seems like. Um, do you think this still could be a while for 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 us to get the rest of these tracks open? Yeah, I think it could be. And, and you know, uh, we we are in unprecedented times. You know, nobody of this generation has ever seen anything like that. Things change very quickly and. You know, something else could happen with this virus and it could lock us down a little bit farther. So it's really, you know, my approach is take a look at what's in front of you and what can happen. And you, you have to approach everything else. I just I just hope that everybody is safe as possible. And when they when they decide to open up, it's good for everybody. Now, we've also had uh, we've had Tyler Roerig on the show. We've had Johnny Van Dorn, Brian Bergacre. Uh, I'm going to ask you a question. We asked them because. And this is more of a personal question for me. Um, Outlaw late model racing. Um, a very good field last night, but only 13 cars. Um, typically, your good car counts only come at either Flat Rock and Kalamazoo uh, on a weekly basis. Um, you can get at, at the Glass City 200 they had last year. They had the most cars they've had 
in three or four years. What's going on with this outlaw late model class? And are, I hate to say it, are we going to see the end of this thing or, or what can be done to fix it? Well, I, I, I don't think we're going to see the end of it, but things have changed and, and, and people have a lot of choices and a lot of things going on in life. So they have to be a little selective and, and, you know, I personally feel that the outlaw super late models are a more special show division. Uh, I think it'd be great for a lot of the tracks that the, the group of outlaw late model racers that we got could, could schedule different tracks at different times. I think it would really help the special shows. I personally think that the day of weekly outlaw racing as at the top level of outlaw super late model racing is, is probably not a thing for weekly racing. Well, and you know, you bring up an interesting point, Andy, that I have often wondered if it's going to happen on the dirt scene. Uh, and we have seen it happen on the dirt scene for 410 sprint car racing. Uh, Butler Motor Speedway, the only track left that runs a weekly sprint car division, and they struggle at times if there's other things going on. Um, you know, I wonder, Andy, does the Outlaw Super Late Model class become a premier division? Does it become a touring division again where, uh, you know, maybe somebody fires back up a tour and, uh, you know, you get Outlaw Super Late Models when they're in town. And I think, you know, realistically, as far as saving the class goes, I wonder if that would help. I think that's the direction it should go. Um, face it, the racing racing business is tough right now. Promoting business is tough right now. So, so I think the secret is to find a blend between the two. When can we go race? When can the promoters pay this division what it takes to put on a show and 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 try to put the needle in the middle somewhere and and i think that would be a secret to success what has gravitated you because uh, this is obviously as you just mentioned the money that it takes to build them the struggle that it takes to get a good field of cars what has gravitated you toward outlaw super late models and what has kept you in them for these years I just I just love the outlaw super late models. I love the ingenuity that you can put into building your cars. I like the difference that not all the cars look exactly the same. They're they're very technical, and I love that aspect of it. So it's just you know I, I call them go karts on steroids. I just love them. <laughs> they're just fun. And and, and Andy, I think um, what would also help. Uh, is if the promoters could get on board and and come up with a tire that they're going to put on these things. Uh, it seems like everybody's on different tires. If you're going to go to another racetrack, if you're going to go race the Stanley Memorial 150 or the Glass City 200, you know you're buying a couple of sets of tires. Uh, you can't do that everywhere you go when when uh, they're all running different tires. Yeah, that's a, that's a tough one. Um, you know, it seems like the west side guys over here we've been on the treaded tire for a long time and the, the east side guys you know i know giovanni and crone wentz and all the guys over on that side they they, they like slicks and and uh, i like them both i don't care as long as everybody's on the same tire i'm good but if we could find a balance with a tire rule and potentially have a tire that'll give the racer an opportunity to shake down a car at a different track the following week where they could get down to one set of tires. It would, it would help the financial situation. Well, as we look forward to the rest of the season, as Rich said, uh, still some question marks at some racetracks, Kalamazoo, Berlin, Flat Rock, Toledo, uh, all racetracks that play host to super late model racing uh, this year. What do you have on your schedule right now? Where, where are you planning on being? Well, we're planning on the opener July 3rd at Kalamazoo for the Intimidator. And I think we're going to do the modified show at Springport, the Lloyd Gearhart Memorial. Todd Gearhart, a good friend of mine. I drove his modifieds in the past. He's promoting that show. And from what I hear, they've got over 50 300 cars. So that's going to be a stellar modified show. We're going to do that on July 4th. Um, we're just we're just playing it by ear. You know, the, the situation that we're in with being closed down, it's going to be a tough a tough road for the promoters to try to balance it out and there's only so many of these cars to go around and if they start scheduling three or four races on top of each other every weekend it's just gonna it, it's gonna hurt the quality of the racing 
Well, Andy, it's been a pleasure to uh, to chat with you tonight and to get a chance to hear exactly what's going on. And, uh, uh, you know, how cool for you to get a chance to race with your son, finish 1-2 on Father's Day, have a Bozell sweep of the weekend in your respective classes. Uh, things are going really well right now for not only you and that 83 car, but the whole family. Uh, very cool to see. Yeah, it is, it is fun. And, you know, we've worked pretty hard on our outlaw program the last couple of years. Uh, Phil's driving for Tony LeClaire out of Sault Ste. Marie. He's really he's really amped up Phillips' program and give us an opportunity to upgrade our equipment. So uh, we we're just gonna keep the nose to the grindstone and work hard and and hopefully we can keep some momentum going. All right, Andy. Well, thanks so much for joining us. Good luck for the rest of the season, and uh, we look forward to seeing you at a racetrack soon. Okay, guys, thank you, and thanks for having me on, and be safe. All right, well, again, our thanks to Andy Bozell and uh, to Brian Rollman for joining us, Rich. I don't know how we went, uh, what, a season and a half, a season and a quarter, uh, without having those two guys on the show, but we got it done tonight. A couple of great guys and, really, some trailblazers in their industries for sure. Yeah, some. I mean, obviously, uh, without saying, uh, some of the most successful guys uh, in racing in our state, uh, on dirt and on pavement. Mm. I mean, two different areas that they came from two different areas and uh, both, they both have had uh, unbelievable success over their careers and, uh, and they both pick up wins this weekend. That's cool. Absolutely. And so let's talk about some racing that's coming up. It was announced that the Great Lakes Super Sprints will head to Crystal Motor Speedway this coming Saturday. Uh, I do believe the Lightning Sprints will get an event in on Friday from Mount Pleasant Speedway as well. So glad to see things ramping up for the Great Lakes family of sprint cars as they, they get some, some more events on the schedule here over the next couple of, uh, next couple of weeks. Yeah, as we, um, as we discussed with Andy, you know, a little, we're a little slow on the pavement side still in our state. So, uh, uh, Attica Raceway Park, uh, they have 410 sprint cars, and the uh, and they'll also have the UMP late model uh, Attica Oakshade Challenge Series. Those cars will be there. So uh, maybe my Friday night will be down at uh, Attica Raceway Park this weekend. Well, it's a great racetrack, great facility. They know how to do it down there at Attica. Uh, as we told you earlier in the show, Mars is firing up this Thursday, Friday, and Saturday if you're looking for a small road trip out west. And then, uh, Rich, our buddy Scott Menlin, uh, he stamps our paychecks, so that's why we call him our buddy. He's uh, gearing up for the season opener finally at Nashville Fairground Speedway. And, Rich, not only down there in Nashville, but really around the country, a lot of folks excited for racing to return to the fairgrounds you know they have been they've, they've done so much work around that facility uh just trying and waiting uh to try to get started uh we saw they had some uh practice this down there this weekend and uh some safety training that they all went through down there so uh, finally nice to see Nashville Fairground Speedway get things rolling uh, next weekend. Well, it's uh, come to that point in the show where uh, Rich and I are probably going to go our separate ways this coming weekend. So if you see the Horsepower Happenings logo somewhere, walk up, say, hey, I like what you're doing. Uh, good work. Uh, and, uh, you know, we love hearing that. And we'll, we'd love to talk racing with you if we see you at a racetrack. And, I, and that's, you know, you reminded me, Zach. I want to thank everybody that came up and talked to me, uh, talked about the show, uh, down at Oakshade, I, I did not figure that I would find very many people, but boy, I was surprised. Uh, it was great talking to the people that listen to the program. Uh, made me feel good, and I wanted to pass that on to you as well. Well, thanks for that, and thanks for all the kind words. We look forward to bringing you more content throughout the season as we have it, and uh, you know where to find it right here, Facebook and Twitter, and on our website at horsepowerhappenings.com. Until then, get your backside, trackside, pick a place, and go. Support your local racetrack, please, uh, especially with everything that's going on. If you can, get out there and be a part of what's going on. So for Scott Menlin, the owner and operator of Motor City Racing Promotions and Horsepower Happenings, for Rich France, I'm Zach Heiser, thanking you so much for tuning in on this Monday evening, inviting you to join us again next Monday right here, 9 o'clock, HorsepowerHappenings.com. Have a great week. Happy belated Father's Day to all those who celebrated, and we'll talk soon. You've been listening to Horsepower Happenings on the Motor City Racing Network. Catch up on past episodes by logging on to HorsepowerHappenings.com. And be sure to tune in next week to keep up on what's happening.